Welcome to the Action for Happiness podcast. As always, I'm your host, Guy. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with performer, author, and public speaker, David Pearl. David worked at the Royal Opera House as a boy soprano soloist for four years. And later in his life, he played a double bass, touring as a member of the London School Symphony Orchestra and the National Youth Orchestra of Great Britain. In 2009, he founded a non-for-profit social enterprise called Street Wisdom, and we dig into this international movement that is active in more than 20 countries. We also talk about his latest book, Wonderful, playing the piano, helping others, urban mindfulness, and how to use the streets to answer questions. Well, part of you know, Street Wisdom came from me looking around at other people and realizing they don't look deluged with happiness, you know what I mean? They're wandering around the streets. Most people are not seeing the streets at all. They're, 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 their eyes are turned inwards thinking, and not people, are not, we're not looking super happy at this point in our evolution. So turn, his, turn your attention outwards and see what and who is there. And what it is effectively is a way of getting inspiration and learning from ordinary streets. And um, it's in three parts. You tune up your senses, you go for a walk and ask a question. We call it the quest phase. And finally, you share what happened. To get people, to give them permission to slow down amidst the noise, for many people, that is mind-blowing. Particularly when it's done in not on a on a cushion with a you know with incense, but it's basically done in busy streets. Suddenly people go, man, I've just I'm suddenly seeing the world quite differently. Action for Happiness is a movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. And the guests we have on the podcast epitomize this. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to not miss out on any episodes and visit the website actionforhappiness.org for more details and to access the latest audio and video episodes. Hey, my friend. Yes, David. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm very well. How are you? I'm, I'm very good. You know, thank you so much for doing this. Not at all. So, my pleasure. And it's actually a shame that, you didn't, that we didn't do it here in the studio. I've come across a few videos of you playing the piano and singing and... Um, and uh, not too long ago, I bought a Yamaha Clavinova CVP705. Mm, nice. Uh, and I would have been honoured to have you, you know, a professional bless the keys <laughs> and, and sing a little bit with it. Well, you learned to play and sing as a young boy and you spent many years performing at the Royal Opera House. My brother did too. So oh, very wow. familiar. Yeah. Wow. But, so, but when did you get to start playing the piano? And um, do you still enjoy playing? Gosh, that's great. I played, so I came from a kind of Jewish background and um, Jews stick their kids on instruments early. They used, they used to. So for, I think I was probably having piano lessons at the age of about four or five. And I remember one day when I was six that I found that my fingers started moving uh, and playing the piano. Uh, you said you didn't like sight reading, you mentioned earlier. Yeah. But... I could sight read it's something. There was some, there was a connection in my brain. I could see notes and immediately translate them into movement. And so really the piano became like, um, you know, it was like some kids have got football. Some kids have got, you know, now video games for me, it was piano. And I still play, I've got a piano downstairs. One of my 
lovely moments, happy moments was when I had earned enough money to buy a grand piano. And I just, I got, I don't know. That's my dream. That's my dream. But yeah. it's just keep with your dream, make it happen, yeah. man. Because I, I got it and it arrived, and I sat down to play it, and I just wept. My wife mm. just looked at me and it was just like, it was just something. It was, it was like, oh man, a grand piano. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just something. So I think for me, the the piano. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm just at the point of i'm kind of at a reflective moment and i'm at the point of just about to do a project which i've never done before which is to conduct a symphony orchestra and um i, I you know it's it's uh it's been a childhood dream yeah. of mine there's something about playing but it all came it all came from playing the piano and i, I think i think you asked do i still enjoy it and i think what's mm-hmm. interesting to me i've done lots of different things around the world and you know music and as i'm as i'm getting older it's music is coming back as the sort of central thing in a funny way yeah. i feel like you break me open music's in the middle you know so when friends come around do you like to like have them jam around the piano and you get on and or is it more classical stuff that you play and I also play jazz and I played played rock bands and stuff like that. But um, I think my friends would rather I didn't play and sing, <laughs> to be honest, because I'm the person in the group uh, who can sing, uh, sing in a classical way. So I'm constantly being sort of pushed forward at parties. Oh, David, sing something or weddings, and stuff, which, of course, I like. Yeah. Um, but it's it's, uh, you know, my close friends like. Enough. It's actually how I met my wife, though. Someone sent me to sing under her window, and this stranger popped her head out, and I thought, hello. And <laughs> she'd always wanted to be serenaded, and it just, it was a, you know, the, uh, the synchronicity, I suppose. Things just yeah. lined up. and Opportunity meeting the... Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you've spoken action for happiness event, and I, I've seen the TED Talk. Oh, yeah. And you do a, a great job, very funny too. Now, is a big part of the delivery, you know, part of your, you know, having spent so many years being on stage and, you know, knowing how to work an audience? Well, thank you for, thank you for the kind words. Um, I, Even the stand-up that you did, you know, the... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... So I, I, what I would say is, uh, for, for, for early, in my, early in my career, if you can call it that, um, I, I held performance and working with business which is sort of a teaching you know sort of as someone pointed out if I'd been around in the 16th century I would have been a rabbi or something there's a certain there's a tradition of kind of teaching of of philosophizing and so on and they were very separate you know performer teacher and as I found over the years as I've worked in this area that they've woven more together and so I think you know people often say after a a talk I've given or a session I've given, oh, we loved your act, it's like, which I take as a, I take as a compliment because I think there is something about mixing up, which happens a lot now, mixing up performance forms and, edu- and learning forms. So Ted, you mentioned Ted earlier. Ted, I think, is, is an example of that. It, it's what I, a lot of, a lot of these, a lot of events are what I call business vaudeville. So it's, it's for business. But, or, um, but basically, it's it's a form of theatre called vaudeville, which is you know it's like it's like um, a series of acts that you put together, and there used to be in the musical there'd be a singer, then there'd be a musician, and then there'd be a, a magician, and then there'd be a, a recitation, and it's this form that we love. It's a very popular form where you just chuck chuck things together, and and in an entertaining way. And I think that's what I do. 
I think I'm a business vaudevillian in the sense that <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really a business person, but I found that that's where I do a lot of my, uh, my, my work. And I think in that, for that audience, um, a mixture of humor, humor and teaching, a humor and learning works really, really well. As a friend of mine, uh, Ken Campbell, who's a great comic, put it, um, this is too important to take seriously. I love that quote because it, it, it reminds you that when you're laughing, you're holding things lightly. And especially when you're taking, to talking about difficult problems or serious problems, which there are plenty of in the world, there's something, I think, very helpful about keeping it light. Because if you keep it light, you can change it. Whereas if you're serious about it, it often gets more serious. So I think yeah. that's the world. That's the reason I use humor, I think. Okay. Well, the... For our listeners who, who don't know, you know, about you and street wisdom, and I'm sure you've had to explain it, you know, thousands of times, but you are probably the best qualified to do so, you know, one of the co-founders for this. So perhaps set a little context and a backdrop, you know, what is street, what is street wisdom and how did it come about? Yeah, well, thank you. I, 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 I do explain it a lot, um, and I, I'm hoping I'm getting better at it. But it's, It it's probably like varies of... and evolves and changes along <laughs> yeah, the way, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I mean, I think often when you set your own things up, it takes a while for it to reveal what it is. That's partly why I wrote the book, because look back over the last few years. Um, oh, the book. Very good. You got the book. Yay. Yes, yes, Wonderful. Yes. Was, um, Full of notes and annotations of, now. Yeah, but. yeah, well, we'll talk about it in a minute. But, okay. but basically, Street Wisdom is what I call a workshop. And it's a three-hour experience on the street, which is offered free to the public around the world. Which is, and it's in 40-plus countries. And what it is, effectively, is a way of getting inspiration and learning from ordinary streets. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's in three parts. You tune up your senses. You go for a walk and ask a question. We call it the quest phase. And finally, you share what happened. And it, if it sounds simple, that's intentional because it took years to get to get it really simple so that anyone could do it and it works anywhere, anytime, any place. And we've really done it all over the place, including in some pretty difficult streets in you know the West Bank and things like that. Mm-hmm. Where it came from is a good question. And again, in the book, I, 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 it's a chapter called The Road to Here. And it was quite interesting because I was thinking, did it start there or did it start there or did it start and you go back and back? But I think a place to say it started um, was um, in the work that I've been doing with business and organizations where I come in as an arty, arty boy. And I used to take people out of their offices. It's obvious, right? You take them out of the office, out of the construct and just get into the street and have a walk about and talk. Um, and it became clear to me that it was a really good place to sort of practice because you don't really have an identity in the street. I mean, you do a bit because there's social classes and stuff like that. But for, for senior business people, it was great because they were uh, free from no one knew who they were. It was also terrifying because no one knew who they were. And uh, there were episodes like there was a moment where I remember I took a very senior bigwig out and sat him in a cafe and said to him, See that person over there, draw, draw a portrait of them. And the guy looked at me like I was mad. He was a, he was a petrochemical engineer. He didn't, so I, I, I don't draw. I said, well, you're going to draw. Draw. He said, well, I can't draw. I said, I don't see you to draw well. Just draw him. Mm. So he, he drew this guy and he hated it. You know, he's drawing this thing. I said, great, that's part one. Now, walk across the cafe and give it to him as a gift. And the guy looked at me like I had told him to jump off a cliff or something. It was, 
And he walked across and he had a conversation with this guy and he came back and he was like elated because it was a really difficult thing for him to do. And I thought, boy, you know, we spend loads of money, loads of time going off to weird places in the world, but actually right on your doorstep is an incredible place to practice. So that got me thinking and, you know, I'd love to say I, I had the thought that, you know, it, it, I knew what I was doing. I didn't. I was blundering along, feeling my way and bit by bit street wisdom has evolved and appeared and grown and is still growing. But in the corporate world, is there, at what point of those three hours do kind of people start turning around and think, hey, this isn't just a team building exercise wasting my time. It's actually something very useful and very profound. Yeah, it's a really good question because uh, it's different for different people. What I will say is that, that the tune-up phase, where, where essentially what you do is you just sort of switch on, it's like switching on your physical intelligence. Um, um, and, 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 you know, it's based on the idea that the whole of your body thinks. And it's also got very advanced navigational systems in it, it's kept, which has got us here, you know. But we dull them down and we sort of don't think about that. We don't really connect with our environment. People very often, there are four little mini walks that tune up your senses. And this, the second one is slow right down, which sounds mm. so obvious. But for many people, especially if they're doing street wisdom during the working day, you know, they're, 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 uh, I've done this, for example, in rush hour in Manhattan with a group of bankers. To get people, to give them permission to slow down amidst the noise, for many people, that is mind-blowing, mm. particularly when it's done in, not on a, on a cushion with, a, you know, with incense, but it's basically done in busy streets. Suddenly people go, man, I've just, I'm suddenly seeing the world quite differently. And, mm. and a lot is going on you know, when you do that. And then other people, you know, to be honest, they, they can go through the tune-ups and, and it's on the walk when they're asking a question. They'll bump into somebody and ask, and ask a question of somebody. Or it'll be in the sharing at the end. Or frankly, for some people, the penny doesn't drop. And, yep. you know, people will say, this was great. This was, it was nice to have some time to myself. I bought some knickers. I had a coffee. And that, by the way, is not a small thing as well for people having very pressured lives. So I'm I've been doing this too long to, to, to sort of force people to have an experience. But I would say that, I would say, there's a really good question behind your question, which is, you know, how do busy, professional, if you like, skeptical people take to wandering around the streets? And to my surprise and delight, um, they, they take to it very well. So can you give me an example of how this process helps to answer a question? For example, because you, you mentioned that you kind of, one of the challenges like, well, think of a question, you know, not like, you know, maybe not on the extreme edges of, you know, well, why are we here and what is the purpose of life? But, but you know, so if you can give me perhaps a, a real example of a one question asked and how would we, how would one user streets to find an answer because it seems at first well that's you know that's not going to help but you know yeah so how, how, how does that work well um why don't we do that i mean if if uh if you were to if we were to be out on the street mm -hmm. what um and i said to you think of a question you want a f some fresh answers to i don't say the answer because it can freak people out like oh you know how will i get the answer but um, is there something on your mind, either in work or life, that you feel 
you'd like some fresh answers to. It might be something you've thought about a lot. It could be, it doesn't have to be, but it's probably something that's that's valuable for you, and it's often linked to what's coming next. It's something that's in your near future or something. Is there anything? I mean, because I thought of this beforehand, and you know, one of them is you know when you walk past a beggar on the street, and you know, I try and find ways in which I try and help and give back, but maybe not every time that I see someone on the street do I. And you know, if I, I don't even carry change in my pocket anymore. But it's like how to compassionately. You know, selfishly almost as well, you know, not to feel so guilty for not having help. But at the same time, you know, well, what can I do? You said it's beautiful. When we have, when we do Struism, we'll go through this process and people will, like you, very genuinely will will, will, will sort of go inside and think. And and sometimes I'll help, like tune the quest or we'll help tune the quest because I don't do very many of them. There are volunteers doing them all over the world. But basically... Quite helpful to have someone to tune the question. So, for example, in your question, you know, if we stayed with it, you know, you'd probably, you'd want to simplify it perhaps, because I say like the streets are like an eight-year-old. It, it, it likes very straight language. So you might say, you know, how can I be more compassionate more often, or how can I uh, feel less guilty for not giving yeah, this doing more? Yeah. If that question, very often, if a question comes up like that, we'll try and tune it into the positive. Not that I've got any problem with the negative, but if there's a judgment implied, like how can I be less guilty or I mean, it's quite good to move people to something that's uh, that's selfishly joyful for them. And for, yeah. for many people who are sort of perhaps more progressive, you know, they, they don't want to be that selfish. They want to think about the wider world. But it's very, very helpful to get something that, that is important to you and which is good for you. Mm. So let's just say you, you were to say, how can I be more compassionate every day with less guilt? That's it, yeah. whatever. And we'd get, you'd have that question like that. And we just say, to, uh, just run it through your mind. Just keep asking, keep asking. You go off, if it was a full street wisdom for an hour. And things would start to happen because you tuned your senses. And what the sort of things that start to happen is that you see words that seem significant to that question. You'll see, you know, a bustle go past and, and you, something will capture your attention or you'll overhear something or you might find yourself at a crossroads in the street and you'll go, hang on, which way shall I go? How can I be more compassionate? And you go this way. And it's like the question is... It's a bit like putting a question to Google and it's kind of giving you answers. So the question is designed to make the walk intentional. And you might suddenly find you bump into somebody and you look across them and you think, I'm going to ask them. And you go, well, excuse me, you think I'm nuts, but um, just <laughs> you will be amazed how, especially when you're in a kind of more open state, which you get into when you're doing, uh, you're tuning up your senses. People pick this up. We're animals, right? We pick it up and I haven't, the worst a stranger has ever said is, no, thank you, and wandered off. But you will be amazed how often, not only are the strangers you meet uh, open to answering the question, but so often they are the perfect person. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. My, my, and I mean, it's close to home, but my, 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 my wife, here's an example. My wife, I think I used it in the book, my wife wanted to ask a question, how can I raise more money for the kids' school? Mm-hmm. We were out in the middle of nowhere. It was, it was Sunday. We were in, ta- in we were in London, but it was pouring with rain. There was no one around. And she spotted a couple of people in the park. She went up to these older people and she said, "Excuse me, I'm just going to ask a question. You know, how to raise more money for the school?" The guy was a school governor. The woman was a fundraiser. <laughs> and I'm telling you, we can talk more about synchronicity, but 
you asked how how you get answers from the street and how you could um, how you can use the street to help uh, you make decisions, um, and and those are some of the ways. It's what you see. Right. It's what you hear, and and we ask people don't judge it just just notice what's happening let your feet be intelligent they'll take you towards answers and what happens is people either write it down or they think about it sometimes they use their phone to photograph it and then they come back to sharing the sharing the final phase and that's often when the penny drops people go ah here's an answer Mm -hmm. so it's also almost about you know having the confidence to go and interact with strangers as well right well it's a good question the interaction with strangers is that encouraged you say like hey you know go and speak or is it encouraged but 100 percent optional okay. because because i think the last thing i want to do and any of us want to do is increase pressure on people and the truth of it is street wisdom went for many years without really much interaction with strangers it was much more and in fact i use it much more as a um as a solo activity I sort of swim through the outside world and interact with the environment, not necessarily the people in it, but the when I have done, and I've done it more recently, the results can be extraordinary. There are some people who absolutely naturally do it and some cultures. So, for example, I've done street wisdom. We've done it in Israel. In Israel, for example, and in parts of Africa, everyone's talking to everybody all the time. But in other cultures, and ours is one, it's a little bit more difficult to to talk to strangers but i just would emphasize if anyone's watching this that street wisdom is not about putting yourself under pressure to talk to strangers it's quite the opposite it's about it's about releasing yourself giving yourself freedom to to wander which is not something we are told is a good thing to do at school we're told right. we going straight lines you're listening to the action for happiness podcast my name's Guy, and on today's episode we're joined by author and public speaker david pearl in this second part we talk about mindfulness, gratitude, and what matters most. All right, so like I told you, you know, I, I'm also a mindfulness teacher. And when I was reading the book, it was like, you know, I just kept, I kept feeling like the phrase and the terminology. But it wasn't until, what, page 47, the first word, the first mention of the word mindfulness. Uh, you know, you mentioned stuff like hit the pause button, Navigation is about making cho- responding rather than reacting. I mean, this is a cliche mindfulness terms, right? Yeah. Tuning in, tuning into your senses, right? Then you talk about the outwards attention versus the inward attention. And for me, the, you know, that's even, you know, are you being mindful? Are you being present? Or you're not? Now, you also describe your work, or some people say is urban mindfulness, but I felt in there, you know, you want to highlight the difference because perhaps you feel like, oh, people say, oh, this is just mindfulness. Well, you actually, you know, it's, I hear what you're saying and there are a lot of crossovers and perhaps it's, you know, correct me, am I wrong, but perhaps some of the benefits that you can derive from what you do and the benefits that you can derive from mindfulness may cross over, but there's a distinction between the two. So perhaps can you share a bit on that? Yeah. Again, very perceptive, if I may say, question, because um, you've, I think you've, you've, you've picked up the, the, it's not really attention, but it's here's, here's where I am on it, which is I the, the classic mindfulness work that I have done with people like the Potential Project or mindfulness. So you work. have done mindfulness work because one of my yeah. following questions was like, have you meditated? Have you practiced mindfulness? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say okay. I would. Yes, absolutely. I've done. I've done lots of meditation in my time and, and, okay. and some mindfulness. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of what's in mindfulness, I absolutely recognise from the from the spiritual work I've done and the and the and the work and the inner work I've done over 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 many years. Um, I'm not a uh, trained mindfulness practitioner, and I haven't sort of devoted myself to mindfulness. It, 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 to the extent that I wanted to label my this mindfulness urban mindfulness, but as you say, there's a there is a big crossover um, in the benefits, right? In the benefits, completely, and I think that I'm I'm delighted that some of the terms are shared. I I, I haven't you know I I haven't sat and done formal training, but I do work alongside mindfulness people, so I mm. I, I know about the overlap. But I will say, or and I will say, there was a distinction, you're right, that I wanted to make. Um, and it was this, really, which is that, and I could be wrong, but, but, but in, in, in the mindfulness practice that I've experienced, uh, which is wonderful, there's an effort, uh, effort's the wrong word, but there's an intention to sort of still the wandering mind, to stop the mind wandering, mm-hmm. if you like. And, and, and what I feel, what I feel, in street wisdom, whilst there is that, there's also an additional invitation to follow the wandering mind. Right. Let, in other words, I, I I think in some ways both are valid. I think it's incredibly important to go to stillness, and I think sometimes w- wandering mind is kind of given a pejorative. Uh, it's dismissed in a way, or it's like seen as seen as unhelpful. Yeah. My my all I could say is all of my work and life has come from a wandering mind because my mind I don't know where it's going and I follow it. So for example, writing the book, when I write books, I basically what I do, and this is keep this between us, you know, I'm sure no one else <laughs> this film. But basically this um, what I do is I listen to what my head says and I write it down until it stops and then I do something else until it talks to me again so it's, it's, it's some people call it channeling I don't think it's exactly that but I tune in or flow to, perhaps when you get into the states of flow beautiful like, yeah beautiful yeah. beautiful it's but you know it, it I, I you know I I I wouldn't say I you know it's, there is a structure of course and I, you know it's not uh, it, it's not just stream of consciousness but so I think that would be the distinction with the mindfulness thing is is I I in essence, this is very inter- uh, related to mindfulness. Yeah. What, uh, what we're inviting people to do is mindfully wander. Yes. So it's yeah. not about obliterating the outside world. And I know mindfulness isn't either, forgive me, but it's just some people think that, that what I need to do to, 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 to find answers or to, or to find joy, find happiness after this is a action for happiness, mm-hmm. is to remove dissonance is to is to is to calm the the environment down and yeah. find uh, create peace and that is not that's not clearly not untrue yeah. my curiosity is about how do we find that in the noise yeah because most of us live in the noise right mm-hmm. so that's what street wisdom is in a way it is it is a series of it's in sort of elegant way to find a sense of mindfulness and, and and orientation and sense of self in the noisiest smelliest business <laughs> yeah. yeah me personally as, as you know being very into the the world of mindfulness 
Right. So if I'm imagining that I'm doing one of your, you know, the, the sessions, we're going out. It's like I'm going there and I'm like, oh, it's so much rain or, you know, what's the point? It's cold and this and that. And I can, it's, I can hear that internal chatter and, you know, we might be saying, oh, let's wander. And I'm wandering the streets. But regardless of the wandering physically, my mind is kind of churning out. Why am I doing this? This is boring. What's the point? And this and that, right? So it was the idea of, and how I saw the relationship to mindfulness. It's like, okay, well then, as the mind starts to say, hey, it's so cold and it's the rain, you know, let's look at the beauty of what it is that we're actually trying. So it's, it's the idea of returning the focus to the environment or to the conversation that we're having. And it's repeat, oh yeah, but I want to be back in my office. I don't get, oh, but look at that graffiti, look at that piece of art, or look at that, you know, that statue of, you know, whoever it may be, or, you know, wherever you are. There's always something, like you mentioned, there's always ways that we can find beauty. And so the question is, is like, is this very much, or is this akin to what we call gratitude, where we kind of just like, just being in my office, when was the last time I took a chance to look at, you know, that poster or just anything, literally, if you broke it down to the simple science, or even that painting I bought from Ikea, but still, you know, <laughs> you know and I've got a bookshelf full of these amazing books. And it's like, is it more a sense of just, wow, this like, you know, that sense of, when we talk about mindfulness, a lot of times it's like looking at things for the, as if it were for the first time. And so the idea of gratitude is being, wow, how amazing is that? And how amazing is that? And just trying to change this where it's just like we're blindly going from A to B and not even appreciating the journey, but realizing that, wow, there is just like, if we, if we really looked, we can find like amazing things in, in, each, in each moment and each thing that we see. I mean... The answer to that is yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, then, thank you very much, Dave. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. So uh, uh, we can move on. I mean, all I'd add, I mean, completely, completely. Um, gratitude is something um, that emerged from the work. It wasn't, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't clear about it in the start, but it, I had this, ex I'd had this experience which, you know, I'd been stuck on a bus in a rush hour at one point, and I was just like, I was just like really hating where I was. And I said to myself, God, I wish it wasn't here. And I had this sort of, I don't know, it was like a, I don't know, heightened moment where my brain said, all right, imagine you weren't here. Imagine you were dead. Let me ask you a question. It's like, yeah. Imagine you were dead, you know, oblivion. Imagine, imagine it was black and endless, endless oblivion. And you were given a chance to come back to the earth for a minute. Would you take it? And I thought, yeah. He said, there's a trip. There's a, the brain, my brain said, there's, but there's a, there's a, there's a trip, trick here, trap, which you've got to take this moment, the one you're mm -hmm. complaining about. Would you still take it? And I thought, yeah. Mm -hmm. And my brain said, well, would you be complaining? I said, no, no I wouldn't. I mean, okay, so I've got a minute. I'll be drinking in every detail, every smell, every sound. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then my brain said, well, maybe, maybe the only reason we complain is because we think we'll live forever. And it was it literally, it was like a waking dream or something. And I think that is, my friend, one of the things behind Street Wisdom, which is to appreciate the moment wherever you are because there's been a, a kind of myth has grown up I think around us which is that in order to flourish you've got to be in a rural idyll you've got to be a zen priest and you've got yeah. to and actually I mean, I've, I've been to monasteries and I'm sure you have and stuff they're like 
they've got their own problems. The answer isn't out there. Uh, it isn't better over that hill. Mm-hmm. Um, is where we are. We live in cities. Increasingly in this century, we're going to live in cities. And so we need to find the beauty here right now. And it's to do with, as you say, it's like, this is the moment we've got. Now, it's easy to say, and there are all sorts of posters, of, you know, you can buy a poster, stick them on the wall. But what's been interesting for me is even though we don't advertise this, and it isn't, it isn't a claim Street Wisdom makes, um, that is a frequent byproduct that people feel much more but they feel more joyous and they feel like oh do you know I, I don't feel so alone and look at this place and i actually i'm seeing things i hadn't noticed before mm-hmm. and i think that i think it's it, i don't know how action for happiness deals with this but as soon as you put you know these these ambitious things into the title like we are going to take action to have you know to make people happier there's a skeptical part of people that kind of whoa i'm not sure i want that so what we've done with street wisdom is is made it look very purposeful it's a way of solving problems it's a way Mm -hmm. of it's a way of answering questions of course finding your way through your next steps and that's one of the reasons i think it's been so um people have have found it appealing because it feels like it's useful Mm -hmm. And I think it is. At base level, it is useful, evidently. But there are these spin-offs that people exactly. are. And, and that's really, I'm really delighted about that because that means they're getting this kind of the, the under, it's the mm-hmm. understructure is what's, it's what's coming through. And street wisdom is, is like, a, it's like a, it's like a mechanism to connect with, with bigger, uh, juicier things. All right. Two final, two final questions then. You know, this Make them awesome. easy ones. <laughs> Mate, this has been awesome. You know, so I'm going to use the term snake eyes. Now, so, you know, that, that that's a beautiful term. And so your expression, you know, you're on stage, you look like you're giving this amazing, I can't do it as well as you do. You know, watch the TED Talk to to see Dave in full, full action. But the mind's thinking, oh my God, what about that next high note? Or what about, you know, coming up next? And I find that when I'm playing the piano, I suffer from that quite a lot. It's like there's a video that I've put on Facebook of me playing for Elise and it's like, you know, so the first bit's fine and then it starts to get, you know, into the latter stages where there's like, you know, a lot of finger movement. And as I'm playing it, it's fine. But then when I hit the record button on my camera and I know that I'm going to try and put it up on Facebook, I can't get through it. It's like, I just talk myself out of it every time. You know, okay, you've made it halfway through without messing up. Don't mess up the rest. And it's like, oh, I messed it up. Retake. Take. And I took about 30 takes to try and actually complete it in, in, one, in one take. And it's, you know, it's very much to the, you know, to the point where you called snake eyes, where you're like, it looks like you're in the moment. But in fact, your brain's giving you all this negative chat. And then, you know, you get through it. But for me, it always, it usually ends up in me making a mistake because I'm like, all I see is that just the voice is in my head now. And then I'm just like, it blurs. But when I'm by myself, you know, I can play all day long and I'm just like, like, I feel like I'm in a state of flow. Yeah, I'm smiling because I, I know that feeling. I know it right now, actually, because I'm about to step in front of a, like I said, in front of a symphony orchestra and conduct. And when I'm in my bedroom conducting it all goes fine but but i had a rehearsal on monday and for so, even someone that's quite you know i i've performed all over the world i've I, I, i'm at my i'm really at home with large rooms of people you know halls and stuff i'm telling you you know it 
when you start to turn your eyes inwards and that snake eyes snake thing. Eyes. So you're, you know, for our the listeners, it's it's when you know here's me looking at you, and here's me appearing to look at you, but looking worrying inside, and that's the that glaze, kind of glass, the glaze, gla- yeah. exactly, glaze, the glaze yeah. which 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 you can tell it in your partner when they're not listening, right? Mm-hmm. They're thinking. And you look on the street, you'll see snake eyes everywhere. Mm. And um, I think we know the answer. We know what's happening, which is where is your attention? You know, when your attention is on others, you disappear. And you're free of mental chatter, usually. Or freer. Like mm-hmm. I often say, you know, when you're in love, who disappears, you or the other person? And you disappear because you're kind yeah. of like, boosh, attention. Whenever, and the idea of flow again, you know, when you're just in the moment and just playing the song when no one's there watching me, I'm singing along and it just comes naturally. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so the trick that I've found uh, in my performing and in my, in my, my work with different people is love. And basically it is to, I turn my attention outwards um, because in a non-romantic way, I just say, I love you. And I've, I've been in front of some groups and worked with groups who are really <laughs> difficult to love. Mm-hmm. But it's not about liking them. It's about a commitment to put my attention on them. Yeah. And when you put your attention on them, all of the nonsense goes away. It's when the ego, or nothing wrong with an ego, but it, it, it can grip you. You know, it's, And that's what happens to us as performers. In the yep. middle of Fair Elite, you're going, oh, this is going well, and the mental chatter, and your attention's gone inwards. Yeah. And so somehow as a performer, it's, it's good to see if you can try and think, this is for, it's not just for Elise, it's for you. This is for <laughs> Elise, for you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's worth staying with. Because after all, that's really what music's about. It's about communicating meaning outwards, yeah. not necessarily inwards. Final question in the action for happiness style. We last for you, you know, given your, your, long, your long career, what matters most? Wow. What matters most? To me, what matters what matters most, or what what matters most? That's a very yes. good question. I'm going to leave it just like that for you. What matters most? So the word that obvious it's obvious. I'm sure other guests have said it, but for me, we were just talking about. It, but what matters most is love, and what I mean about love um, is I, I mean on a as profound a level as we can go, which is the that I can go. I would say, which is the intensely human desire that, uh, that, the, that that others should flourish. And I think at this moment, it's what matters most. I think it's, you know, love for the planet and love for each other. And love doesn't mean a sort of Pollyanna, you know, romantic love. It, it, it means the commitment to the shadow as well as, 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 well as the light. Yeah. But I mean, it's a big question, but I think that is what matters most. There are lots of smaller considerations, but I don't mean to be loved. I mean, I think that the, the currency and the basic, I think it's the basic unit of humanity uh, is, in, is in fact love. And it, and it needs to matter more than hate or discord or stuff 
if if we're to if we're to flourish. So yeah, I would say that I'll put my money on love. Wonderful. All right. So one wonderful. But how do you pronounce? Would you pronounce still pronounce it wonderful? But spelt with an A or is well, it? Do you emphasize? Well, it's interesting because as a Londoner, you, you know, you can get away with saying wonderful. Oh, wonderful, kind of, mate. Yeah, wonderful. But wonderful. But, but you know, friends up my north call it wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, yeah. It's also different. Yeah. But yeah, wonderful. If I've listened to the, to the podcast, mega enthusiastic about finding more about you, tell me the best ways to do that and get my hands on the book. Uh, to get, uh, there's, there's a small a service that delivers books to your door called Amazon, I'm told. And apparently they've got it there. So you can get that. And if you're overseas, uh, there's, a, um, there's an offshoot of Amazon called Book Depository, which will ship books anywhere at a very reasonable cost or indeed free. I can't remember. Um, and the other thing, if people are curious about street wisdom and fancy, either attending one or running one, or even just there's a free download they can get of me just explaining it on their smartphone so they can wander about and have a personal experience. Then the place to do that is streetwisdom.org, streetwisdom.org. And, you know, all are welcome. It's, uh, it's, it's as we said we don't pay you don't pay fees you pay attention it's a very sort of generous open thing it's it's free we do do work with businesses uh now increasingly which is on a commercial basis and that actually funds the mission around the world but but the real mission is to get uh people to to allow people to experience street wisdom every street on in every street on earth all right then mate have a wonderful evening and i'll be in touch very soon Dave. and remember if you'd like to help create a kinder and happier world, please get involved with Action for Happiness. You can join thousands of others who are also spreading a bit more happiness in their homes, workplaces, schools and local communities. Our website has all the information you need to sign up for our Exploring What Matters course and also details about facilitating one yourself. All the information is online and we're here to answer any questions you have. Don't forget to subscribe, like and follow. Keep up to date with all our content. Find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement. Be the change.